Thank you, worship team. You did an awesome job this morning. Amen. All right. I am going to preach for a little bit. I won't keep you forever. All right. But uh, I do want to share, uh, share some things with you from the Word of God. Be sure and come back, as Brother Andy said tonight, Sunday night church at uh, 6 o'clock. I'm going to be speaking tonight uh, on the church of the living God. I thought that was awesome. They sang about, and Kate even mentioned, about God being alive. And this church is the church. His church is the church of the living God. So come back tonight for our Sunday night service. Members and those who support Abundant Life Church and who call this your home, stay for the business meeting tonight, okay? And um, We'll take care of our annual business meeting and go over the business of the church. And uh, praise God. Looking forward to that. You got your Bibles this morning? I've got an ear trying to stop up. I don't know what's wrong. Um, turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Again this morning, the very first chapter of 2 Peter. And, uh, of course, I, the Holy Spirit led us in a different direction last Sunday morning. We're always open to the... Uh, moving of the Holy Spirit. He led us in a little different direction. Last Sunday morning, had a great, great time. As Brother Andy said, mark that on your calendars, the beginning of the outpouring. God pouring His Spirit out because last Sunday He definitely did. We had altars filled with people and people that stayed after the service was over to continue to worship and seek the Lord. So God's moving. and um, But um, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been in Second Peter chapter number 1. And we're talking about adding to your faith. We're dealing with the subject of growing spiritually, of spiritual growth and development. And it seems like that the Lord's kind of like had us in this, in this flow, in this vein, in this realm for a little while. And um, um, so, you know, we're going to continue that as long as the Holy Spirit leads in this direction and until we're, we're finished. All right, with this, with this subject matter. But 2 Peter chapter 1 is a tremendous, tremendous, powerful uh, passage of Scripture where, uh, where the, the Lord tells us through Peter how to grow and some things that we need to do and adding what we need to add to our faith in Christ. And how many of you today, and I, I just want to just poll you a little bit. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, just think about this, can say, can say, Pastor Rick, I, 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 I want to grow spiritually, and I believe that I am growing spiritually. I feel that I am growing spiritually. Because, you know, getting born again and getting saved is the first step. That's the beginning. And then it be- becomes then a life of adding to your faith and growing up in the Lord and in the things of the Lord. And so we ought to be able to monitor, maybe not on a day-to-day basis, but we should be able to monitor uh, our spiritual growth. We should be able to today look back and think back six months, a year ago, 
and say, hey, am I, am I closer to the Lord today? Am I, am I more spiritually mature today? Do I know more? Do I have a greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ today than I did last year? And the answer to that should be yes. Amen. And because that's what spiritual growth is all about. I remember when our our grandkids uh, were uh, were littler, smaller, and uh, every every summer we would always go to Branson, and we always looked forward to those times at Branson. They loved Branson at that time. I had uh, we the church had a uh, had a uh, radio broadcast on the radio station, and they would give us uh, passes and tickets for shows and things so we could go down there. And a lot of times they even took care of our hotel so we could go down there and just, uh, you know, all the money we had to spend was on eating, and uh, which that was enough, but on eating and uh, and going to the amusements and everything. But of all the things that we'd go to, the shows and everything, our kids, the, the grandkids, they loved Jack and George here. They loved to go to those rides, you know, that they had, uh, little different places, the, uh, uh, the the track, you know, they have those different tracks there in Branson, and one of their favorite things was the go-karts, how many likes to ride go-karts, I'll be honest with you, that was kind of one of my favorite things too, was to, the go-karts, the lumberjack, and the uh, heavy metal high-rise, amen, and those were, <laughs> those were fun, I I, I still I still enjoy that, but they love that. But you know the thing was they had to be a certain height to ride by themselves. So they had to ride with grandma and grandpa, you know, nan and papa. They had to ride with us because they were too little. And they had this one area where they had the little kids rides, you know, with the little Ferris wheel and all these little rides. And they had a little bitty go-kart track that just went around, you know, in a circle with little bitty go-karts for little bitty kids. And Georgia couldn't wait until she was able to get in one of those go-karts by herself and drive around and around that track. And so they had, as you know, they had, I didn't know there's going to be in here this morning. I, 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 I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, but they, <laughs> they're usually helping in children's church. But anyway, anyway, at any rate, they had, they had this thing, and you all are familiar with this. They had this, this gauge or this, uh, you know, the, the, the height thing, you know, where you had to be, and they had a mark on there and said, you have to be this tall to ride alone and then on the little go-karts you have to be this tall to ride those little go-karts and uh, so you know of course you know Georgia would get up there and she would measure and man she's just not not there yet she's just not ready to be able to get on there by herself so she'd have to ride <laughs> uh, she would have to ride with one of us on the on the bigger go-karts but um, every time we went to Branson here was here's the point that I'm trying to make is that every time that we went to Branson she always wanted to go there and see if she had grown enough to be able to ride the go-kart by herself and finally the day arrived when we went down there and she walked up and stood up against that thing and she had hit the mark praise God amen she had hit the mark she had attained the place where now she could get in there and I've even got a video still yet of her going around by herself she may not have drove really well but she 
<laughs> she had hit the mark of growth. You know, we didn't really, to just look at her, we didn't really know if she was any taller than she was the last time we were there. But when she got up against the measurement, you could tell that there had been some growth. It didn't come overnight. It wasn't just a sudden thing, but it was gradual, but it did happen because, you know, she kept eating and she kept doing the things that, 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 that are required to grow physically. But, you know, in the same way, we cannot, you know, we just can't uh, tell a lot of times, you know, just overnight that somebody's grown much. Any of you parents ever do a, you know, a, a, a scrapbook thing? I think that there were some books that they called, uh, when our kids were in school, called School Days, D-A-Z-E, School Days. And they, uh, you would take your school picture of your kid, you know, from kindergarten, then first grade, second grade. Every year, you'd, you'd make a little scrapbook and put those pictures in there. And it was always amazing to look back and to see how much change had taken place in their life from one year to the next. You just didn't notice it on a day-to-day -day basis, but when you would go back and look at those pictures from a year before or two years before, and you could see how much change had taken place. And do you know that that is the way that it is with us spiritually? It's the same in the, in the spiritual realm as it is in the physical. Because, see, once a child is born, they begin to grow. And if there's no growth, then there's no life. And physical growth happens a little bit at a time, the same as spiritual growth. There are no dynamic breakthroughs in spiritual growth. There are no magic formulas to make us fully develop Christians overnight. I can't have you. You can't come up here and have us anoint you with oil and pray over you that you will be a spiritual giant and grow. I can pray that God will help you to grow. But I've had people come up, you know, and one hand's laid on them. Pray for me that I will grow. I will pray for you that God will help you and lead you in the things that you need to do to grow. But I can't lay hands on you and impart spiritual growth into your life. Is anybody here? You know what I'm talking about. Amen. But it's something that happens over time. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It happens day by day. It happens a little at a time. And it happens as we give diligence to pursue the Lord and add to our faith. It's what, what somebody called spiritual arithmetic. And Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter wrote about it in 2 Peter chapter number 1. Let me read to you this morning, and they'll be putting it on the screen. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, he said, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And those are the seven um, attributes or qualities that Peter said that we are to add to our faith. And then in verse 8 he said, for if, this is so important saints, for if these things are yours, the, the seven things that he just listed, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. And notice this last phrase of verse 10. For if... For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Man, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Or you, as the King James says, you will never fall. So what if you don't do these things? What if you don't add these things? What if you don't grow spiritually as the Lord tells us to? What if you don't give all diligence to add these things to your walk with the Lord and to your, to your spiritual life? Well, the implication here is that if we don't do these things and we lack these things and we don't have these things in our life abounding, then that we become short-sighted and blind and come to a place where we've even forgotten that we've been forgiven or purged from our own sins and we'll get into that at another time but this is what Peter tells us to do for this very reason he says to give all diligence to add to your faith that word add there the word add to is an interesting word in the Greek and I won't um, I won't try to pronounce that word at all but it, it has a reference and it was a Greek word that was used in those biblical times for someone who was a choir master the choir master was the one who would supply abundantly and lavishly supply the chorus or the play or whatever production that they were putting on. And in those times, they would have great, you know, mighty plays that they would put on and choruses and all this. And, of course, you know if you've ever been to a play that it requires costumes and it requires props and it requires all kinds of things to, to choreograph everything to get everything ready. But... Uh, and. And there are different ones that supply those needs now. But in those ancient times, there was usually just one person called that choir master that would supply everything needed for that performance. And he wouldn't just supply it a little bit, but he would supply it greatly and abundantly. And that's what Peter's using here, those words, that word for that choir master, that word for that one that supplies abundantly everything that is needed for that particular production. The word also was used to, 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 to refer to, uh, to equipping an army with all the necessary provisions that they needed. And you all that were in the military, you know that when you went into the military and you became Uncle Sam's, amen, that you didn't have to take your own gun with you. I mean, he provided you, the country, the nation provided you with your clothes with your uniform, with a place to stay, with the food to eat, with the weapons that you were to fight with. Isn't that right? You know that even if you weren't in the military. We all know that. And that was that word add to was also used in that way. It was used for equipping an army with all of their necessary provisions. And so in this text, that's what it refers to and that's what it means. Peter is here talking about the equipment of the believer that, that, that we have been equipped 
equipped with all the necessary virtues of life. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How that He has given us, God has given us. There in verses 3 and 4, it tells us how that God has lavishly, abundantly provided us with all that is necessary for us to live a holy life for Him. Everything that is necessary, that is needed for us pertaining to life and godliness, everything that is necessary to live the abundant life in Jesus Christ has been provided for us through Jesus and what He did at Calvary. And we've been given, Peter said, exceeding great and precious promises that by these we will be, might be partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world, and can live a victorious overcoming life. And He's telling us here now that you were saved, and because God has provided everything that you need, it's time for you as a believer to personally add to your faith these necessary attributes. In other words, He's saying, you need to grow. And He closes this book of 2 Peter out in the third chapter in the 18th verse by telling them and telling us, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many want to grow and be mature Christians and strong Christians for the Lord? Yeah, go ahead and give Him praise. Amen. So we've dealt with the first two qualities here, and uh, we'll we'll deal with another one today. All right, I I. I I should have known better, but I had typed up notes to finish this out, but it's not going to happen this morning. But uh, the first two qualities that we looked at, there in verse number 5, where he says, Peter says, giving all diligence to add to your faith, to add to your faith, what? What is that next word? Virtue. To add to your faith virtue. Now, it's been a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, but how many, I believe the second message we preached on this, but how many remember what virtue was? Virtue, <clears throat> virtue is, the, the uh, definition of that word is moral excellence, basically. And it means living a morally pure life. And so Peter says, very first thing, when you, 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 you and I as believers add to our faith a, morally, a moral purity to our life. See, we are saved. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. How many know that? There's no works that you can do that you can add to your faith to save you. Amen. All of our righteousness is what? It says, filthy rags in the sight of God. So there's no good deeds we can do to make us accepted to the Lord. We come to Him in faith alone and just put our faith and trust in Christ, and we are forgiven. Amen. And He cleanses us. And so we are saved, and we know that, and we believe that. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But as somebody said, the faith that saves is never alone. Because the faith that saves will produce some good works in your life. 
James dealt with it in James chapter 2 when he said that, that, that faith without works is dead being alone. So the faith that saves is never alone. It produces a holy life. True, genuine, real faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will change our life and produce some moral excellence and some holiness in our life. Amen. Now, I've, I've talked about that and I could preach on that, but... Um, but we just want to understand it's a moral excellence and a moral courage as well to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand up and do what is right even when everybody else is doing what is wrong. Amen? To be able to walk and do what is right and not follow the ways and the paths of the world that no matter what they say about us or how they talk about us, we just continue to have the courage to stand and say, I am serving the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, and He has changed my life. That's the greatest testimony that you can give, is to have that testimony of how Jesus changed and transformed you. Some people say, I don't know how to witness for the Lord. I don't know how to witness for Jesus. Well, what did Paul do? Many of the times that Paul witnessed for Jesus by telling the, those kings and those who he came in contact with of that Damascus Road experience. And if you don't have anything else that you know to say, if you've had an experience with Jesus, you can tell somebody else how Jesus saved and changed your life. Come on, amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but praise God, now I see. Amen. And then the second thing that Peter said, we add moral excellence, number one, but number two, he said that we add to that virtue knowledge. Week before last, we dealt with this knowledge, and we said that knowledge here is the ability to discern God's will and to orient our life in accordance with God's will. Do you get that? Do I need to say that again? Knowledge here is the ability to discern God's will and to orient and direct our life in accordance with that will. How many want the will of God in your life? And you know how we find that knowledge or where we find that knowledge and how we know the will of God for our life? Basically, number one, and the main way we find it, we find this knowledge right here in the pages of this Bible. Amen? I, I don't know. There was a little cartoon on Facebook some months back. I don't know if I can exactly remember what the guy, but he was, he, was, he was looking up and he was praying and he said, God, I need to know your will. And a big hand comes out of heaven holding the Bible. Oh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> that's, that's how we know the will of God. This is his will. I want to know how I should live and what I should do and how, what God's plan is for me. Well, it begins right here by finding his will in the word of God. So we must, and here's the important thing. If we're going to add knowledge to our faith, we must get into the word and we must get the word into us. Amen. We've got to get into the word and get the Word into us. In other words, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and read it every day. Amen. That blessed man of Psalm number 1 is that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, sits not in the seat of the scornful, but it says his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and in the, the, his law, in his Word. They meditate day and night. Praise God. So 
that's where we need to be to get the knowledge of God is to get in the Word of God. So add to your faith virtue. Secondly, add to your faith knowledge. And then here, let's let the hammer down for about 15 minutes. Number three, and to knowledge. Anybody want to look at it? And to knowledge, self-control. Help me, Jesus. Help us all, Jesus. To knowledge, self-control. Well, what in the world is that? The King James James Version calls it temperance. But it literally means, the word there literally means holding oneself in. It has to do with, with mastery and control over the sinful desires and the passions of this flesh. How many knows today that we are redeemed? If we know Jesus Christ, our spirit's been redeemed. Our soul is, we're working on that, renewing our mind. Amen. But the body, your physical, your body's not redeemed yet. The price has been paid for the redemption of your body. And one day, your body will be redeemed. But right now, it's not. This is still a a mortal body, a fleshly body, and we still have a human nature. Amen. When we got born again, God didn't change our human nature. We still have a human nature. And, uh, you know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Even after you get born again, you still have the sin nature. The sin nature, that sinful nature, is still in your life. It's not eradicated, and some think that it is, and teach that it is, and preach that it is. But the sin nature is not eradicated when you get saved. You still have a sin nature to deal with. And believers, as saints of God, as believers, we must must be spirit ruled. But let me, before I get into that, let me just also mention that when you got saved, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, you also received the divine nature, the nature of Christ. The, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. So you're a human, you have a human nature, you still have the sin nature, but He's given you the divine nature, and it is this divine nature that is to now be in control of your life. The sin nature now, once the Holy Spirit comes in, Once you've been made a new creature in Christ, praise God, now you are to be controlled, led by, and dominated, not by the flesh, not by the the passions and desires of the flesh, but now you are to be led and directed and controlled by that new nature that is yours through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's going to require, since the body is not redeemed yet, that's going to require some self-control. That's going to require some control over the desires and the passions of the flesh. And believers in Christ, Jesus must be ruled by the Spirit. Or Spirit ruled and not body ruled. Or not flesh ruled. Now, stay with me here. I know this is probably elementary to some of you all, but we need to understand this, that once you get saved and get born again, 
the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and you must yield yourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, 18, he said, Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but... Be filled with the Spirit. How many remember him saying that? But be filled with the Spirit. A lot of times people read that and they say, Oh, I'm filled with the Spirit because I really felt the Lord on Sunday and I'd done a little jig and, you know, and I shouted and I praised the Lord. That's being filled with the Spirit. But that's not what he's talking about being filled with the Spirit because the word there that was used in Ephesians 5.18 has reference to being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is how you can tell how filled or full of the Spirit somebody is is how much they are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because somebody whose life is out of control, they can claim all they want to, to be saved. They can claim all they want to, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They can claim all they want to, that they're filled with the Spirit. But if they're being controlled by the flesh, they're not being controlled by the Spirit. They are not filled with the Spirit. Can I get an amen? I mean, he's following me. Doesn't mean they're not saved. Doesn't mean they hadn't been born again. But it means that they're still living Incarnality. Ooh, this will do your body good, hey man, for listen to it. We all need this, me included. So, self control is a fruit, one of the fruit, one of the nine fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians 5 22 and 23. He lists nine of the manifestations there of the fruit of the Spirit. And temperance or self-control is one of those fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Now, I want you to hear me. Self-control. Now, when you think of that, people are thinking of that and they're thinking, well, how do I do this? How do I control my passions? How can I? And some people just, you know, they just plant their feet and they say, I can do this. I'm going to do this. I am not going to do such and such anymore. I am in control. You are not in control. <laughs> and so self-control, self-control is not you. Yourself, controlling the sinful nature by your own strength and by your own willpower. You need the will to do it, and God puts the will in you to do it, but you can't do it just by mere willpower. It can only be controlled, that flesh can only be controlled by the Holy Spirit living in you and, and, and ruling and reigning in your life. 
That's the only way that you can control that flesh. It's not me in control. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not self in control. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's not you and I controlling that sinful nature and those lusts and those passions and those desires of the flesh in our own strength of willpower. Let me tell you something today. You you can agree with me or not, but I believe this and I believe the Word of God bears it out. That you can have all the willpower you want to to live and, and to stop doing a particular thing and you can have the willpower to do it but if the Holy Spirit's not in you helping you and not working in you helping you with your willpower you cannot control that sin nature. If you could, there was no need for Jesus to die. If you could, there was no reason for the cross. If you could, there was no reason to, for the Holy Spirit to even come in and dwell in your life. You can't do it by your own willpower. And, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, made that very clear in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things that I will to do, I, I'm not able to do. Amen. I find every time I want to do good, I desire to do good, I will to do good, evil is always present with me and I wind up messing up but he finally did praise God find the answer and find the victory through the power of the Holy Spirit in him and in Romans chapter 8 see you know what we got to do we got to move out of Romans 7 and we got to get into Romans 8 where the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death man I feel something here this morning but willpower, your human willpower, can and will be overcome by the sin nature without the help of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the help of the Holy Spirit's called? Grace. Praise God. Grace. And we need His grace. How many can say, Amen, Brother Ricky? I need His grace. Amen. But no self-control. It's not you controlling the sin nature by your own strength and willpower, but it is, it is your, it is self, your own selfish will and desires, those fleshly desires being under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only, the Holy Spirit's the only one that can, that can conquer and control and, and, and subdue the power of the sin nature. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it by good works. You can't do it by doing religious things. You can't do it by faith in anything else other than Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working in you. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of that divine trinity. And when He comes and lives in you and He's operating in you, the Holy Spirit. Somebody look at me now. The Holy Spirit can and will defeat the power of the sinful nature in your life and produce the fruit of the Spirit. His love and joy and peace and gentleness and faith and meekness and temperance and kindness and long-suffering. I may go into, after we get done here, we may go into Galatians 5 and do the fruit of the Spirit. I don't decide to quit now. Amen. Every born-again believer, and we'll be done here in just a minute, 
Every one of you that are saved, every born-again believer has within them the power of the Holy Spirit to mortify and control the flesh and the carnal desires and the sinful nature. Everyone has the Holy Spirit. But He only works in our life if we follow the the prescribed order of victory that's given in the Bible, which is faith in Christ alone and what He did at Calvary. Somebody said, well, you, you say that a lot because we don't get it. We need to say it a lot. You've got to put your faith every single day in the finished work of Christ. Not for salvation, but for His sanctifying work in your life. To be crucified with Him. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Are you still with me real quick? Galatians chapter 5. Uh, this may not be a fiery message, but that's all right. It's something I believe that we need. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I say then, walk. How? Walk. That, that means how to conduct your life. That means your behavior, your lifestyle. Walk and conduct your life in the Spirit with a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you notice that? And you shall not. Do what? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When? When you walk and conduct your life in the Spirit or under the control of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. Now here's this conflict, ladies and gentlemen, that's going on. He's talking here. He's writing here to saints. He's not writing to the world. and He's not giving this letter to sinners, but to the believers, to the church. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. So there's a, there's a conflict there between the Holy Spirit in you and the flesh, or those sinful desires. And the Spirit... The spirit against the flesh is, is, is warring against these, the flesh or this evil desires. And the Holy Spirit, again, is the only one who can subdue the flesh and the, the nature of sin in your life. That you cannot. Let me read that again. And the spirit wars against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. This is the battle of the two natures going on on the inside of the believer. And the Spirit of God and the sinful nature, these are contrary to one uh, one to another, that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that you cannot live for God in your own power of strength without the power of the Holy Holy Spirit. No matter how you will to do it, you want to do it, you desire to do it, it's not in you to do it. And 4,000 years of law proved that it was impossible to do without the Holy Spirit doing it on the inside of us. Praise God. There must be a walking in the Spirit. That's our lifestyle. Drop on down to verses 24 and 25, if you would, of Galatians 5. Verse 24 and 25 of Galatians 5. Now, those who belong to Christ. How many belong to Christ? You belong to Him? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? Crucified. What happens when something's crucified? 
Does it die? Did Jesus said, if you want to be his disciple, what do you have to do? Take up what? The cross. That doesn't mean that you've got a cross to bear of, you know, arthritis is my cross or cancer is my cross or, or uh, you know, bunions. i got bunions and that's my cross or i got an ulcer and that's a cross. i got a No, 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 no. He's talking about the cross is what Jesus, he's talking about death. When he told them, when he told those, if you want to be my disciple, take up that cross and follow me. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going to die. And if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you got to go to Calvary with me. And you got to be crucified there. And your old man in your own life, when they picked up that cross and walked up that hill to the place of crucifixion, they were saying, I'm not coming back. And that's the way we are. We have to die to sin, to self, to the world, to the flesh. And those who are Christ and belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, there it is again, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's our lifestyle. Amen? Is anybody getting anything? I'm almost done. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 13. I could, boy, there's a lot in Romans 8 you could get into, but man. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. Glory to God. Verse 13, Romans 8. For if you live according to the flesh, and here flesh refers to our own strength and ability. So if you try to do this, here's what Paul said. You try to live this life on your own, you're going to be in Romans 7. If you live according to the flesh, your own strength, your own abilities, you will die. That pretty much sums it up right there. In other words, there's not going to be any victory. You're not going to walk in life. You're going to walk in death. But, how many thanks God for the but? Glory to God. He's going to show a contrast here. But, if by the Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit again. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. How do you put to death those passions, those desires, those deeds of the flesh, those de- deeds of the body, which, which he lists the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, you know, and it's adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, uncleanness, drunkenness, this, you know, anger, wrath, malice, all kinds of the works of the flesh. If you walk according to your own ability, those will be the fruit of your walk. But if by these spirits, the Holy Spirit in you. You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. You will live. That means you'll walk in victory. You'll overcome. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's the only way, ladies and gentlemen. You put to death. Who puts to death the deeds of the body? You? No. He said, if you, by the Spirit, those are 
three important words. By the Spirit. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit that He's given on the inside of you. It's trusting in Christ and believing that the Holy Spirit in you will crucify and mortify and put to death the deeds of the flesh that you'll be led by the Spirit of God because you are a son and daughter of God and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh but the fruit of the Spirit will be manifested in your life. Come on, amen. That is self-control. Add to your faith self-control, a controlling of the Holy Spirit over your life completely and totally. See, listen, without self-control, without self-control, the gift of sex between married couples and in the bonds of marriage Without self-control, sex becomes adultery and fornication. Without self-control, the gift of food. Now, you're going to love me now. Because without self-control, the gift of food becomes gluttony. It's just it's truth. Amen? Without the and, and man, I, I just jumped on my toes and your toes and everybody's toes here this morning, didn't I? But self-control, how many, do you believe that the Holy Spirit will control our eating habits? He will if we'll allow Him to. Oh, God, help, help us all to come back tonight. <laughs> oh, without self-control, the gift and the ability of speech can become slander, gossip, Lying, evil speaking. We need the Holy Spirit to control our tongue. Oh, Jesus. Without self-control, the ability to think and to imagine which God has given to us. A mind to think. Used to be an old commercial on said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so many Christians have just parked their mind, put it in neutral. But, 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 but listen, the ability to think without self-control, the ability to think can become impure thoughts, lustful thoughts, pornography without self-control. So you've got to guard your mind. The Bible tells us what we're to think about. Philippians 4 and 8. The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, must be in control of your desires and passions instead of them being in control of you. See, Paul used the illustration. You can just write this down and use it or study it later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the Apostle Paul used the analogy of an of a, uh, athletic uh, a, a, a guy or gal that was in athletics or in the uh, Olympics or in some kind of race or Olympic event. And he used that analogy and he said those who, who are in a race, those who are in those Olympics, they all are seeking a prize. They want to run. They're, only one's going to obtain. But he said what they do, though, to condition themselves and train themselves and to get themselves ready for that Olympic competition, for that race or whatever, that wrestling match, that boxing match, whatever, they are temperate, he said. They exercise self-control in all 
all things. Those athletes don't allow themselves the, the, the day before the Super Bowl or the week before the Super Bowl. They don't allow themselves to go out and, and just party hardy and live any kind of lifestyle. They condition, they train, they practice, they work because they want to be the very best they can be. They're working out, they're lifting weights, they're watching their diet. Come on, somebody needs to say amen. But that's what, the, that's what he said. And he said they do it, those athletes do it to gain a corruptible crown. But you as believers, he said, you are trying to gain and striving to gain an incorruptible crown. So he said you need to discipline your body. And then Paul went on to say, I discipline my body. I keep it under subjection. Some translation says I buffet my body. And some people have misread that and thought it meant that he said I buffet my body. So they go to buffet. But he said, I keep my body under. I keep my body under. Who does? Him by the Holy Spirit within him. That's self-control. I keep my body under. So that, he said, I'm not allowing my flesh to just do whatever it wants to. I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit. So that I, after I have preached to others, that I myself would not be a castaway and be disqualified. Self-control is very important. Add to your faith self-control. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back, and I'm going to close with this little story because you've heard, you've heard it before. I probably gave it here. When you pastor the same church 20 years, you're going to repeat a story or two. Isn't that right, Brother Wade? <laughs> Amen. You've heard the, the testimony, the story of the, uh, was told of the old the old, I, I, can, you call, can you call them an Indian or do you have to say a Native American, whatever the case. You know me, I'm real politically correct. But the Native American, the Indian that was given his testimony after he had gotten saved. And uh, he got born again and he uh, was trying to talk about the inner conflict with the sin nature that was still going on in the inside of him. And the, the, uh, the Indian said, he said, It seems I have two dogs fighting in my heart. I have a good dog. One good dog does good things fighting in me. I have another dog in me. It's a mean, bad dog. and He wants to do bad things. These dogs always fight with each other within me. So the minister asked him, he said, well, which one of those two dogs wins? And he said, the one I say sick them to. Well, you know what? You need to say sick them, Holy Ghost. Sick them, Holy Spirit. I give you my life. I give you my body. Oh, give me the control of the Holy Spirit to overcome the big old mean dog and that the good dog will live in me. Amen. The Bible said that a man or a woman, a person that has not got control over their spirit is like a city with no walls where walls are broken down. When walls are down around the city, you know what happens? Any enemy can come in. Oh, hallelujah. Keep those walls 
walls of the Holy Spirit. Keep those walls of self-control. Keep those walls up around your life. Amen. That you will live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen overnight. I just opened with that. Amen. It's a process. But I'll tell you what. If you won't quit, God won't quit. If you'll keep your faith in Him and His finished work, He'll continue to work for you. Yeah, but Brother Rick, I fell down. I made a mistake. I, I failed the Lord. Well, ask for forgiveness. Put your faith back in, in the finished work of Jesus and get up and keep going again. And you tell the devil by the help and the grace of God and by what Jesus did for me at Calvary and by the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, this giant shall fall and come down. Hallelujah. I will be victorious through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let's stand today.